Welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and its goal is to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective at reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com. Now let's get to today's episode. Brad Herzog here for Outward OPC, and today I'm with Steve Doe. Steve is our regional home missionary in the Presbytery of the Mid-Atlantic, and we're glad to have him here. Steve, why don't you start by um, telling us just a little bit about how you became an RHM. I know you were pastoring a couple churches, uh, some years of ministry, and then called to this particular task for the Presbytery of the Mid-Atlantic. So give us a little background and tell us how we got to where we are today. That's that's a long story, Brad. Uh, I've been in the OPC since uh, 76 and started out as a church planter in California. Um, then I got involved in home missions in the Presbytery of the Dakotas back in the uh, 80s and in the 90s it was in the Presbytery of New York and New England doing uh, church uh, home mission stuff, church planning stuff, and then came to Fredericksburg, Virginia as a church planter uh, in uh, 2002. So I was on the Home Missions Committee, so I've been on the Home Missions Committees in three different presbyteries and um, have been involved in Home Missions virtually all my time in the OPC. So, you know, I have a deep interest in the OPC and church planting. And uh, when we started looking for an RHM, this was toward the end of um, 10 years in the ministry there in Fredericksburg. So it seemed like a, a time to really get my hands in in that kind of work yeah so with all that experience in ministry so you know you've done some church planting you've been a pastor of a more established church now you're called to be a regional home missionary how how does that background color how you think about your task as a regional home missionary how did it how did it flavor how you look at things and think about church planting and starting new works well, I realized that I wasn't a very good church planner. <laughs> I wasn't a very good evangelist, uh, realizing uh, all that's involved. Um, I think it does make me more aware of the pressures that ministers feel um, in their churches, both as church planners and established churches. Um, so I try to really be an encourager um, because I've I've seen how... Uh, how how challenging, how difficult it is just to be the pastor of a church. If it's a small church, you know, you're constantly always kind of on edge, you know, this family come back and try to try to do a lot of encouraging of men. Good. Yeah, that's helpful. So what does your day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month look like? In particular, I know you're probably filling pulpits, you're meeting with them, but when you think about raising up new works, whether it be a few people are interested or whether Mm -hmm. you're trying to work in an area that we don't even know anybody yet. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? How do you approach, I guess, maybe the two different sides, maybe if you have Mm -hmm. a group or or Mm -hmm. particularly if you don't have a group and you're thinking about an urban, suburban, small town area, how Mm -hmm. do you approach that as a regional home missionary? Well, you're doing a couple of things. you want to encourage established churches to think in terms of daughter churches. Now, that is always a long lead time. It doesn't happen quickly. A church has to come to the session. The pastor has to really get hold of that idea. And 
So encourage them to be thinking along those lines, even if it's five years down the road, to try to start thinking about it now. Because if, it, if, it, if it's going to happen, it needs to happen as you've planned for it. Um, and one thing that I'm doing with established churches is doing a, a seminar on evangelism. Uh, trying to just get the established churches thinking, are they as a congregation, if they're not thinking about evangelism, they're not really thinking biblically, get them thinking, what can we do just to get our people thinking in terms of friendships, relationships that will open up the doors for the gospel, those kinds of things. As far as areas, I start looking around. Uh, so we're doing a Bible study up in uh, Charlestown, West Virginia. Anybody who knows anybody in Charlestown, West Virginia, who's looking for a church can let me know. Um, get, uh, get that group together and see there are three couples now. See if they really want to be a church. Because you know from your own experience, Brad, you've got to have people who want that. People who just show up mm -hmm. and say, well, I'm glad to be here. You're doing the kinds of things I like, but really don't want to put the energy into mm -hmm. it. You can't get started. So right now I'm, I'm working there in uh, West Virginia, but lately I've been putting a lot of energy back in Virginia Beach, helping the church planter, Lowell Ivy there, trying to go several times a month to help him. Um, and then working with a church that's just come into the OPC, that's had a long history, but they need to learn how to think about Presbyterianism in a mm -hmm. new way. So that's going to take up a lot of time because there's a lot of a lot of history, a lot of traditions, a lot of culture that they've got to start to examine biblically. So those are the kinds of things. And then, of course, I'm always looking at the areas and saying, we need churches here, here, <laughs> trying to encourage people to pray and think. Yeah, that's good. So you mentioned this um, evangelism seminar that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I, I'm thinking from the perspective of... You know, we've all got a desire to see it. We've all got a heart for it. Uh, we tend to think about it, and maybe maybe a fair group of people are reading about it. Have you seen, uh, as you've done this, I assume you've done it multiple times, are there things that are sticking? Are there things that are really working to help kind of motivate people or shift their, their thinking a little bit about it and, and be ready to, to, you know, engage people who aren't like us? Yeah. Yeah, actually, there have been some encouragements along those lines, Brad, that that uh, in one church where I did it, they began noticing, one of the couples just began noticing, who's the person that's serving me this meal? Do I notice their name? Do I interact with them? And, and what they told me, what this one particular couple told me, is that they started talking to this young woman, found out something about her history, said, can we pray for you? And began to say, okay, we're going to come back, we're going to look for her. And, and I want people to start to think about the relationships they already have. Who's your mechanic? Uh, who's the person who cleans your building? Where do you go to get your hair cut? You know, who's the person at the bank that you see every week? Have you talked to that person? Do you know that person's name? People in your neighborhood. We walk, I have a dog. I walk the dog every day. That helps me get to know people in the neighborhood so that I know as I go around, I pray for them. Um, I try to remember what's going on in their lives. Just the normal kinds of things that people need to start thinking about that we're busy, you know, we're focused on other things. Just start to pay attention. So, um, thinking like, 
some of some some of the people that might be listening to this it, it that sounds very appealing it doesn't sound as threatening as sometimes we think yeah. of evangelism but i wonder if you could give some some practical insights you've seen either from your own life or as you as you work with others there may be a lot of people listening who are introverted maybe aren't great at striking up that first conversation mm-hmm. It sounds easy for us to talk to a waitress, talk to a bank teller, those types of things. Any any encouragement to people who feel a little bit, I'm not good at that, I'm a little intimidated by that. How, how do you get started? What what types of things should people be thinking about? You mentioned praying, which is obviously the starting point, but what could they be thinking about just in terms of being natural and winsome and talk to people? Well, recognize that even if people are different than we are, different uh, ethnic background, different socioeconomic background, educational background, whatever it may be, they're still created in God's image. We've got to really think biblically. People are made in the image of God, and and I'm preaching on Sunday night, uh, this coming, some coming Sunday night, from Amos. Amos 4.12 is where it says, prepare to meet your God. We're reformed. But do we think about that? I mean, is that reality that this is serious stuff begin to impel us, really urge us and and make us think there are people I need to talk to, people around me, and I need to really pray. I need to, you know, I think that's the first thing. We've got to pray that we'll see people as God sees them, as creatures made in his image. Um, And then realize that the very simplest sorts of things are so unusual today. Remembering somebody's name, I just don't know how many times you go in the grocery store and the checkout person will treat you better if you say their name. (laughs) And the next time you say it again and you just say, how was your week? Or do you have a long shift? Or something like that. Something just to a simple question begins to get people to respond because we like to hear our names. <laughs> and uh, having somebody remember my name is an important thing to people. I know that uh, from knowing you and from knowing some of your work, I know that you've done some work with trying to familiarize yourself with things and thoughts and writings that are really different from how we typically think of things, mm-hmm. sort of the changing world. and rapidly changing world. I know you've put some resources together that you've shared with men in your presbytery. Could you tell us a little bit about sort of how that came about, how you go about finding these articles and, and how you've ended up sharing them and kind of what that's what that's done for, for other men and other pastors in your presbytery? Well, it certainly stimulated them sometimes. <laughs> they may say, what is this guy doing with his time? You know, he's looking at all these blogs and, and posts and so forth. But um, I think we do tend to be isolated from the culture. Um, I remember I was, I was working on something about um, evangelism, and I read some posts on Salon.com, and they really don't like Christians. Some of the folks there really don't like Christians. Um, you know, the headline is the Christian Taliban. You know, well, that's how we're labeled, and um, and so that got me thinking, how do people look at Christians? And so beginning to to look broadly and and recognize that there are people out there who not are not necessarily reformed, but people who are paying attention. Uh, James Emery White has a 
a, a, a weekly post called uh, Church and Culture, and he always has resources there that you can look at. He'll, he'll tie something into the New York Times or New York Magazine or something where you can kind of track it back. And, and one of the things uh, that I've read recently is How to Think by uh, Alan Jacobs. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned there the idea of <clears throat> the sociological term, the repugnant, repugnant cultural other. And the repugnant cultural other is a person who's so different from us, we can't even imagine how they could think the way they think. And for many non-Christians in America, they just can't imagine, how could you not approve of homosexuality? What kind of person would ever say that that was wrong? How, how can you stand against some of these things, which are such obvious freedom issues, uh, issues of personal preference? How can you do that? And the repugnant cultural other becomes somebody who's thinking you just cannot begin to wrap your mind around. You can't begin to understand. And Christians have been put sometimes in that category. And we have to understand that when we take a biblical stand, sometimes people are going to just say, you're from a different place, aren't you? (laughs) You're not from around here. I really don't want to talk to you. And we need to understand why they're thinking the way they are because we have to engage them we have to be willing to talk to them um you know there there are awkward times we've got uh you know at uh at one of the stores in fredericksburg there was a a person whose name tag read lauren l-a-u-r-e-n in all the times I went there, I could never figure out whether Lauren was male or female. Mm-hmm. There was an androgynous look. But I've got to remember that that person is still an image bearer of God. I've got to care for them. and I've got to not be taking a step back. And, and I think we, we read these things and we can have the emotional reaction of saying, I, you know, I just... I don't feel comfortable hearing about that stuff, yet this is where our culture lives. And if we don't pay attention to what's shaping the culture, what's shaping the thinking, how, how it is that millennials can't even imagine that you would be opposed to transgender. They can't imagine. What, what's wrong with you that you'd be opposed to being somebody choosing a different gender or no gender at all or multiple genders? How can you be opposed to that? Uh, we've got to understand how people are thinking in order to engage them and talk to them. And how did that, as you as you kind of got into this and started reading these things, I know you now put together this, I don't know if it's monthly or somewhat regularly list, and where did that come about, and what's your initiative in trying to help uh, p- pass these things along, and what's the response been, and has it has it been helpful and stimulated things and, and I can't tell you how people have responded to it because people don't give me a lot of feedback but you know yourself Brad that there is so much coming at us we're in this information deluge where it's hard to sort through I want to give you know I usually do five and I try to pick things that are accessible with the link something if it's going to be um, a video something that's fairly short because because the people, the, the elders and pastors in the church, don't have a lot of time. So give something just to at least stimulate them. And, and one of the recent articles was about Asian Americans in predominantly white churches. How do they 
How do they see themselves? Do they feel comfortable? In the DC area, we've got a huge Asian population, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, South Asian. We've got a huge population. Uh, do they feel comfortable in our churches? Um, they love Reformed theology, they love the Bible, but do they always feel like, well, I'm kind of on the outside looking in? We, we tend to, when we, when we think about these things, uh, we're here at the Church Planter Training Conference, and it's been a, a big topic uh, with the new church planters thinking about being outward in evangelism and how we do those things. And we could tend to focus on our negatives, say we're not strong. And, and if we're honest, this may not be our strength. But do you see strengths in the OPC as a whole and strengths in the congregations you work with that might encourage us that as we do start thinking about these things, as we do start praying about them, do you see strengths that actually encourage you as we get out there and do it that, that this is something we can be a part of too? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I think our theology is not a binding theology. We, we believe in a God who's almighty. We believe in a God who can save anybody. He's got the power to convert anybody. And, and we can have tremendous encouragement that God is able to work. But the people that I run into are just gracious, ordinary people. The people in the OP churches that I know of are just asking for help. Mm -hmm. they're, they're just, they're ready to do that. And um, I, I think um, what I've seen is when I give one of these seminars on evangelism, people are responding because they say, oh, that makes sense. That's something that's not overwhelming. Oh, you know, I've got to memorize this track and I've got to find five people today to share the track. You know, nothing like that. And they're, they're responding positively because it gives them something that they can immediately begin doing. I've heard a number of questions talking to OPC pastors and reform pastors and the questions come up sometimes when these trainings and conferences come. What kind of encouragement would you give to men who are busy church planters? They're preparing a couple sermons a week, they're shepherding, they're doing administration, they're kind of on their own, their families that there are in the church and individuals in the church are busy, lives are, are crazy and busy and outreach, evangelism, while you want to do it, your heart's in it, it could seem like another thing on the list mm -hmm. that's maybe not as urgent uh, mm. as this marriage is falling apart, mm -hmm. this person's walking away from the faith. Mm -hmm. Do you have any encouragement to men in church planting roles in, in both in terms of their own lives and as they try to create a culture of evangelism, sort of how to think about that and how to overcome that, that reality or that, that thought process? Well, and I'm, I'm not one that I can talk from uh, tremendously successful um, doing this. You have to plan. You have to be intentional. You have to think. And, and intentionality, to me, is, is a, just a central thing. Are we intentional about what we do? Uh, and, and it gets back to those relationships. You have, don't, don't add more relationships. Look at the relationships you already have. You've got a neighbor. You see that neighbor once a week, you know, when you take the trash out to the curb. Well take the time to say hi you know how, how's the how's the weekend looking for you something you know look at the relationships and, and all of us can do that look at the relationships we already have and begin to invest a little bit more time on that and do some of the common things of 
of finding out who the person is and saying, is there anything I can pray for? I, you know, yeah. some of those things yeah. just just kind of begin, start where you are, you might say. Yeah, don't let it get overwhelming. Think about right. what you're already doing, right. if exactly. I'm hearing you correctly. Like, what's already there? Exactly. And, and have a more intentional outlook on what's already there. Exactly. I wonder if uh, you have any thoughts on, as we think more outwardly, as we think more about evangelism, any thoughts on how it affects preaching for the men who are preaching? Any thoughts on, uh, obviously, uh, we are committed to not dumbing things down. We're committed to certain principles of reform worship. But anything you've seen change in your practice as you've been a regional home missionary and fill pulpits or anything as you've worked with men uh, that would be an encouragement about how to keep that balance of, of our commitments but also preach in a way that the visitor does start to see some things, start to hear some some engagement in their world? Well, I always remember what you, you told me about Mark Devers Church, uh, Brad, that that at Capitol Hill Baptist, they take a lot of time. They, they Even if they don't know whether anybody is a visitor there, they take the time to explain things. Don't use insider terms. Don't use language that, of course, everybody understands this. Well, Make sure that you're explaining things. You don't have to dumb anything down. You just make sure that you're clear. I think that that's what I'm trying to do is, is to be clear and, and not use a lot of technical terms. Um, also, have, have a clarity to the presentation of the gospel. Is Christ truly, we're, hopefully we're all being Christ-centered in our preaching and biblical, but is Christ presented as the Savior? that repentance and faith are called for. Is that in there? And and I've become much more conscious of being clearer, being less um, technically oriented in my language, and making sure that the gospel is there, front and center, in what I say. That's good. Well, this is helpful, Steve. It gives us some thoughts. of talked to some other men uh, in your position as regional home missionaries and others, and so we're glad to hear a little bit about your particular focus in these areas. So thanks for taking some time. Well, thank you for doing this outward OPC. It's really helpful. Thank you. Brad, jumping back in to wrap things up, a couple takeaways as I was listening to Steve. I think the first is when he was talking about his broad reading, and I think the term was repugnant cultural other. The article he read that said there's such polarizing views today that you, you can't even comprehend what somebody believes. And Steve pointed out that often Christians are put in that box. And I think it's challenging for us to think about how do we respond? How do we respond to those that that put us in that camp and are so different from us, it's hard for us to even understand what they're thinking or believing. Are we going to likewise step away from that? Or are we going to take a step toward that and learn more about them and try to bridge that gap and get to know them and bring gospel connection to them. The second takeaway is from Steve's story. He described himself as not a great church planter and maybe not the best evangelist, but I think that that can be a challenge and an encouragement to us. We all probably know the natural evangelist who always seems to be out there having conversations with people, or maybe we have in mind the perfect church planter who always seems successful, but we need examples that are normal Christian examples like the rest of us. And Steve is challenging himself after 40 years in ministry in the OPC to get out there and to learn new things and to uh, be trying to reach people who aren't like we are. And I think that that's a, a great encouragement to us. I've been able to do some work with Steve and see some of his work up close. And 
I've always appreciated that about him, so maybe that can be an example to us. That's it for today's episode. You can go to the website at outwardopc.com to check out more resources, and you can sign up for our email list where you'll receive notifications when new things are available. Until then, we'll see you next episode.